But uh, we're very glad that you're here. We're glad that you've come to the house of the Lord. I'm just, uh, I, I just want you to know I feel confident in whatever need you might have today. I'm very confident that God is going to provide his answer into your life. And he's going to speak into you today. I'm going to read from the book of Daniel this morning, a great Old Testament prophet. And he is prophetic in many different ways. But I want to read to you a very encouraging passage from Daniel chapter 3. And so as I read, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a trio for you. Great young men that uh, were going to live for God in the midst of a culture that was totally, absolutely, totally opposite of what they were used to. And they were being challenged in their faith. And the challenge was, you need to bow to this altar or this idol. They refused to do it. They would not do it. And uh, so, this is the conversation of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful person at that time on the earth. This is what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, and the case was, if you don't bow to the altar, you're going to go into the furnace. There it was. There's your option. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king, but if not, and I want you to circle those, emblazon those upon your heart. Because sometimes God has alternatives in mind that we haven't even thought of. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image that you have set up. And with those words, these three guys were tossed into the furnace Nebuchadnezzar was interested in seeing what was happening to these three. And I'm going to drop down a few verses to verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king, look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And I'm here to tell you today that in the midst of any trial that you just find yourself in this morning, that you find yourself at any stage of your life, in the midst of that trial, you will find the one who is the Son of God, standing there in the midst of that trial, not abandoning you, but holding on to you and working with you. Father, we thank you so much for the living Word of God. <clears throat> we thank you for this Word because it, it brings to us instruction, it brings to us counsel, it brings to us confidence, and it brings to us your truth. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ that you stand with us in the midst of any kind of trial that we may be facing. 
Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for that person here today and they're struggling with understanding what they need to do and how they need to do it. Father, I pray that you will dispense your wisdom. I pray that you will dispatch your presence in their lives. May the power of the Holy Spirit be a guide and a help and a counselor unto them. Father, we thank you this morning that we, uh, that we can come together in this church, that we can come and worship you, that we can enjoy your presence, that we can sing the praises of God, and that we do so without fear. We do so without intimidation. And so, Father, today I pray, let the people of God rejoice in all that you have provided for them and all that you care for them. And I pray this today in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, one of the great, uh, one of the great prophets of the scripture, Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel had an uncompromising message. Ezekiel had one of the toughest ministry assignments that you can imagine. He was tasked with speaking prophetically to God's people who were in bondage in captivity. In other words, they were in jail. And it was Ezekiel's task to preach to these people. He had an uncompromising message. When you read the book of Ezekiel, you realize that. He didn't, he didn't cut anybody any slack at all. Not at all. The people had broken their faith with God. They had turned their backs on God and that was the reason they were in bondage and in captivity. And um, God was, one of the messages of God was that he wanted to vindicate his holy name. God is a God of holiness, folks. And I just, um, I think that's a message that, uh, that sometimes we're very weak on. But God is a God of holiness. And he asks us to walk in that same holiness. And whatever that, Whatever that is, and there's a lot that can be said about it, of course, we need, to, we need to listen to God. I want to read a text here today, beginning in chapter 33. I'm actually going to begin reading in verse 2. Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land, take a man from their territory and make him a watchman. Now one of the things that I want to emphasize today is that God is establishing a watchman. You're going to see that, that's, going to re, that's a word that reoccurs in this passage. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own hand. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take the warning. His blood shall be upon himself. He who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, it does not blow the trumpet 
and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. I want to stop right here and tell you something. The watchman today, the watchman today, we need to listen, we need to hear what God is saying to us. There are a lot of watchmans out here, and a lot of people, preachers like myself, are saying, listen, listen, listen. The Lord is at hand. These things are occurring in our culture, in our society, and they're coming at not just here and there, but they're coming with rapidity. And they're coming much faster than ever before, and we need to be mindful of them and be watching for them. I want to, uh, I want to move into my message here. We, uh, our, time is, our time is kind of tough this morning. But I don't want to be, uh, I want to get this message in. Uh, it's titled, Should I Take a Knee? This, is, uh, this has been a topic that's been in the news. It's been all over social media and everything. I have some very, very strong opinions on this. And um, you'll probably end up hearing about a few of them. Highly opinionated NFL athletes who take a knee at the beginning of their football game while the national anthem is played and while the flag is unfurled. The thing I don't understand is why shouldn't we all be taking a knee? Because Jesus said it, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. I have a cure for this national anthem thing, by the way. I think somebody ought to just switch the track and play Amazing Grace. You want to take your knee? Fine. Here's something, to, here's something for you to sing while you're down there. Amazing grace. I believe we're missing a, a crucial moment. And this crucial moment is because we need to be taking a knee for America. A knee that is bowed in repentance and in a heartfelt desire to get back to God. I've watched posts by Christians who seem to be more impassioned about their defense of the flag and kneeling at a football game than proclaiming the gospel to a, to a perishing culture. So what is it that we accomplish on an NFL weekend? Who won? And I have to say, who cares? Are we less divided today than we were last Sunday? We have Democrats that fight Republicans. We have Republicans that fight Democrats. We have Americans that take aim at the president, and we have the president furiously tweeting. We have athletes bowing. We have a health care system that is in literal shambles, and war is clearly on the horizon. And we're worried about overpriced, overpaid prima donnas. Thank you. That's exactly what they are who take their knee and act foolish. I guess now you know where I stand. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old or black or white or what your politics are. The thing that we do need and the one thing that we should agree on is the fact that our world is in a desperate con condition, a desperate mess. It needs hope and it needs God. It needs God. I wonder if our conscience I'm asking this question of this congregation 
And if I was preaching to thousands, I'd ask the same question. But I do wonder sometimes, is our conscience, is our conscience become hardened because we no longer weep for the family of a young lady last Sunday who went out into the parking lot and was gunned down at her church. And the gunman entered the church and shot at several people and wounded them. We barely heard that on the news. It just wasn't there. But there's a family that wept because their mother was killed in a parking lot of a church. Did it cause us to cry when we saw the first pictures of Puerto Rico, an island nation that is totally destroyed, 3.4 million Americans that are still in peril? I am glad, Mr. President, that you're going to Puerto Rico on Tuesday. Please bring your wife, and we don't care what kind of shoes she wears. Show up. Show up. Show up. Tell the Navy to clear off some decks and fill it with dozers and excavators and backhoes and get this nation back going again. Tell the Army to get in there with their specialized units that can take water out of Lizard Lake and make it water that you'd love to drink. Tell them to get in there and make this happen. Tell the Marines to get in there and make sure nobody does anything wrong and, and flies right. Tell the Air Force to fill up those cargo planes, they're gigantic planes, and put food and clothing and water and everything else that somebody might need, fill them up. Get them landing. In the past three weeks, we've seen the devastation of hurricanes Maria, Harvey, Irma violently rake and destroy so much in this hemisphere, and especially in America. Have we bothered to think about the people of Convoy of Hope who have distributed literally millions of pounds of much-needed supply in the United States? We're gripped by the scenes in Mexico of the massive earthquake that killed scores and scores of people. Can you imagine standing at the side of this, of, this, of, of this school and realize that your third and fourth grader is under that rubble or your junior high kid is under there? I can't imagine that. I can't fathom that. The pain and the agony and the hurt. And they need God. North Korea is rattling its sword again, its nuclear sword again, and threatening war and there's been warnings of total annihilation. Folks, we don't need total annihilation. What we need is total rehabilitation. What we need is total revival. Not only in that, in that country that has lost the light of the gospel, but we need it in our land too. We need it. Almost forgotten in the midst of hurricanes are the fires that have devastated the western states. I am so thankful that my friends in, in Montana got a good blizzard here about two weeks ago. That put out the fire, but it took a blizzard. I'm proud to be an American and I'm disturbed to see players disrespect the national anthem and the flag. The flag represents something that is special. I think people have to understand America isn't easy to understand. It's not easy, it's an idea. And what happens in stadiums is not a winning idea. Tell that to the parents and the loved ones of 30 United States Navy SEALs that died Friday when their helicopter was shot down in Afghanistan. Talk to them about it. 
I don't believe you can unite a nation because of a flag or a national anthem. Nor can it be done when you remove 150-year-old statues. America will be great when America takes its knee and bows itself before Almighty God and confesses to God our sins and beg God for forgiveness and new hope. I wonder if it's possible that we might cause Jesus to weep again when we allow the hostile speech to spill out and debate whether we're going to watch another NFL game or burn somebody's jersey. Who really cares? Who really cares when millions are heading into a godless eternity with no hope? So my prophetic word to the church in 2017 is pretty easy. The word is stop it. Stop it. All of, this, all of this stuff, all of this screaming, all of this ranting, all of this secondary issues, get back on target of winning lost people to Christ and discipling those people and building the kingdom of God. Get, that's the target. That's the thing we must not lose sight of. It's winning lost people. I love to watch the short videos of Convoy of Hope personnel. We're going to receive that offering of volunteers handing out sacks of care products, of groceries, water, all kinds of things. People that are receiving these are black and white people, poor people, rich people. It doesn't matter because that's what Jesus Christ would do. I want you to watch this quick little video. Hi, this is Hal Donaldson of the Convoy of Hope. And I'm coming to you from outside of San Juan, Puerto Rico, where Hurricane Maria devastated this island. Today we had the opportunity just to tour the island and to see the devastation. It is widespread. I have seen disasters across the United States and around the world. It's one of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, today we saw car after car, a mile long, in line, waiting for gas, people waiting for food, and also just trying to get through roads that were flooded. Uh, the need here is so significant, and we have to help our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Thank you again for all you've done to help us respond to the need in Texas and Florida, across the Caribbean, and now even in Mexico. Uh, this is made possible because of friends like you that have been willing to step up and do something so significant. So God bless you, thank you so much for all you've done. I want to just kind of wrap this up and talk, talk to you very briefly. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verses uh, 18 and 19. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to tell you the story, a little bit of story of here about Elijah. Elijah is one of the most colorful, one of the most powerful prophets that you'll find in all of the Old Testament. He, uh, he had just defeated a pagan group of idol worshipers and ran into the desert and began to wonder if God was still with him. And Elijah was sitting in a small cave that he found, sort of hiding in some ways, but he wanted to hear from God. He needed to hear what God was speaking to him and what he was to do about it. And the Bible tells us that there was, a, there was an earthquake the earth shook, it trembled. 
But Elijah says, the voice of God was not in it. And then something strange happened, a fire that uh, sort of engulfed that particular area. And Elijah said, I thought the voice of God was in it, but it wasn't. And he sat in that cave, and he sat in that little tiny cave in the darkness and in the quiet of his own spirit. The Bible says that God spoke to him in that still small voice, and Elijah heard him. I want to share with you four things very quickly. Number one, let God provide you with his comfort. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Think about that. When I pray with people at the hospital, when I pray with people at a care center or something like that, one of the things that I'm always conscious of saying and speaking into their life is this powerful verse from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's interesting to know that sometimes you feel so alone. You feel like you've been isolated. You feel like there is nobody around, perhaps that really understands what is happening to your life or even cares for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Christ cares. And that's important. And God is here today in this room and he will be with you in any kind of an hour of trouble. Number two, God will bless you. In Elijah's case, he commanded the ravens to bring food to, to Elijah. If God can command ravens to bring food to one of his choice servants, then God can do anything he wants in your life and provide for you. He'll provide for your need. Number three, be encouraged in the Lord. Be encouraged. God reminded Elijah, look, you're not alone in this fight. There's a lot of other people out here standing with you, standing behind you, wanting to reach to you and be a support and a blessing. You're not alone in the fight. And number four, always be ready. God has a purpose for life and often uses these difficult times. Sometimes in these difficulties, he uses this as a means of preparation for what might be coming next. Remember his words, his words to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Believe in God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. Be ready. Be ready for God. Uh, Janet, could you return, please? I believe God is some, has something great for all of us. It's just ahead. And I want you to know what it is. It's called heaven. And it's just ahead. I believe God is using a lot of things we see and we hear as instruments of warning. When I see these earthquakes, when I see these hurricanes, when I see all of these devastating things that can and does happen, I look at that again. I remind you of this. This is God's megaphone. He's trying to get the attention of an entire culture of an entire society. Listen to me. Listen to me. Hear my word. Hear the word of the Lord that comes not just to a prophet in the Old Testament, but hear the word of the Lord that comes into each one of our hearts, that speaks to us 
that becomes loud. I believe God is using a lot of things as his instruments of warning. And I believe God has more for us than try to win an argument about patriotism and a flag. It's about priorities. The priorities are important. And the priorities can be very simple. I love Jesus. I love people. And I love this country. And it won't be long now. We're going to have communion here in a few moments. I was thinking about this last night and I jotted down a couple things. Just real simple. Life is so, so short and the path is sometimes so difficult for us to walk on. It's hard. We must not allow, listen to me carefully, because I believe this applies to people here in our church. Not everybody, but some. We cannot allow rancid, hear me, rancid memories of bitterness and of resentment, hurts or insults. We must wash everything away from it. Walk away from it. Walk away. There's way too many people that harbor those things and hold them close. It's time to release them and let them go. Allow them to go. We sing, we pray the Lord's Prayer often, not as often as we should maybe. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's real. Let's make it real today. Let's make it real in our life. I want to read to you what what, uh, what Paul says about the Lord's uh, table, coming to this table. He talks about receiving from the Lord on the night that he was betrayed. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as you eat this bread and drink this from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to read on just a little bit here because this is often we don't read this. But let a person examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we will not be judged. I want us to pray. Father, I thank you for this uh, Lord's Supper Day, this day of communion, this day in which we kneel, not on a football field, but at an altar. And we pour our hearts out to you, O oh Lord. Father, I pray that we will walk in forgiveness. We will walk in the freshness of your spirit. Father, I pray that you'll help every person. Father, let this be a meeting today, a meeting that comes between you and each person holding a piece of bread and a little cup. 
Speak into our hearts and lives. Touch our lives. Help us in many different ways. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's lift our hands for the blessing of God. Everybody do that. Would you do that? Father, may the Lord bless and keep your people. May the Lord make his face to shine upon our lives and then through our lives. Father, lift up your countenance upon us and give us confidence as we live for you every day. Give us peace in our hearts that would fill our lives. And Father, we thank you. Give us praise upon our lips. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.